Now that the first set of EV buyers are starting to trade in their cars for newer models, we're seeing a wave of used electric vehicles hit the market. While this certainly creates lower price points and expands the demographic of potential buyers, it's still very much an emerging option. Because of this, buyers understandably have a lot of questions and hesitations. In addition to the standard range anxiety and tech queries, there's the undeniable elephant in the room, uncertainty about the residual value of an electric vehicle. We don't have a consistent track record to draw from. There are questions around battery life. Many times a buyer may know more about a used EV than the dealer selling it. That's where Plug, a hot and much talked about startup, hopes to come in. A wholesale auction, Plug aims to empower dealers to acquire inventory with confidence by offering up vetted and transparent EV data. I'm Michelle Pierrot, Chief Strategy Officer at Park My Fleet and today's host of the Driving Mobility Podcast. Joining me today is Jimmy Douglas, a former Tesla executive and founder and CEO of Plug. He's here to discuss Plug, used EVs, and how we can demystify them. Welcome, Jimmy. Thanks for being here. Michelle, I, I always appreciate the opportunity to talk to you, and this time it just happens to be recorded. That's very true. So no different. We're just going to have a regular conversation. I'd like to know what's, what's going on with you and Plug. And to start, can you do exactly that? Can you explain to the general public, like, what is Plug in a more general sense, and how'd you come up with the idea? So Plug is a, a brand new company, and we are building an online wholesale auction uh, that facilitates the buying and selling of used uh, battery electric vehicles among a network of dealers and fleet operators. And uh, what it's solving for is the fact that electric vehicles are fundamentally different assets than combustion vehicles. However, the way that we buy and sell them for the most part, both in our retail and wholesale context today, uh, does not reflect that difference. And there are a couple of fundamental differences that I am particularly passionate about. And one of them is the data layer required to confidently transact on these assets and the need to leverage the fact that these are really computers on wheels with APIs that we can connect to from anywhere and get real-time information that helps us understand build, software, battery, uh, critical information uh, that's required to understand uh, the proper uh, use case and how to price it and how to sell it confidently. And the other aspect of this is the need for just intense focus on velocity. And it's not new to say that used cars is a velocity game, but EVs have a lot more pricing volatility as we've seen in recent years. And there's a, a stack of reasons for this around product release cycles, price changes, tax credits and incentives. And it's a pretty uh, intense spider web of factors that play into it. So moving them from uh, one balance sheet to a new owner extremely fast is how we're focused on differentiating using the power of that information that we gather. Awesome. Great explanation. And that's the best word that you could possibly use is is that it's a volatile market. Mm -hmm. I'm watching it really closely. As you know, we've spoken before. I recently purchased a used Model Y, Tesla Model Y. And so I'm, I'm, thank you. I'm deeply concerned with what that residual value will look like. And it's kind of a case study for me to, to live the experience and what that's going to look like, you know, when I decide that I want to exit. So I'm also working with the IARA in the uh, Industry Advancement Committee. And right. we talk more about EV than anything. And what that conversation really talks about is what is residual value? How can we predict it? Can we predict it? Because that is the basis of everything in fleet sales and consumer sales. So I'd love to kind of talk a little bit more about what those differences are and how we can 
uh, project what the residual values might be, especially amidst this volatile political environment that's happening. Yeah, I'd love to. And before I actually jump into the condition reporting, let me just talk philosophically really quick. Yes, Uh, love it. Philosophically, if you you want to talk about forecasting a value, uh, it's easier to do that if you can solve for valuing in the present day, right? And valuing in the present day is already a challenge. And the reason it's a challenge from my perspective is because we uh, can leverage market clearing prices based on what the market tells us vehicles are worth to arrive at some sort of consensus for current valuation. But if there is no uh, marketplace where used electric vehicles transact in high volume in the context of full democratization of that EV specific information, then you can't, for example, see uh, reliable pricing deltas emerge between two cars that look the same that are not actually the same when you get into its software or other features uh, of the vehicle. That environment does not currently exist. There is nowhere where uh, EVs are transacting in high numbers, in high velocity, uh, where every vehicle listed has the full extent of that data readily available, where all participants within the market have the same access to that data. What we do see is that EVs are about, according to Cox, uh, about 1.7% of their own wholesale transactions, which is interesting because that's higher than EV representation in the broader used car market. Uh, And my observation is that for the most part, this information is either not available or uh, there's an information uh, asymmetry uh, phenomenon going on right now where a small number of participants within the market know what to look for and they can uh, have an upper hand in those transactions. And that's not creating a true market clearing delta between one vehicle and the next. That's an inefficient market. And until we bring efficiency into this market for present day valuations, forecasting valuations and residual values will continue to be a hot mess. Sounds like you have your work cut out for you for sure. Can you go back in your story a little bit and show us what made you decide to have an EV-specific remarketing platform? It helps to, to rewind a little bit and talk about my personal story. Yes, we'd love uh, to hear that. I moved out of my parents' house when I was super young. I was 16. And like many people who are uh, uh, self-starters, who had to figure out a path for themselves, I landed my, my way into a car dealership. And uh, I was a lot attendant uh, at a Volkswagen store in the Portland, Oregon area called Armstrong Volkswagen. Uh, and uh, one thing led to another, and then I became a service advisor. And that's actually how, for the most part, I put myself uh, through college full time. And it brought me into the industry as somebody who was already interested in cars, but then it also sort of activated like uh, a bit of a monster within. And I ended up owning, I don't know, 30 different cars before I was 30, which is uh, arguably the sign of a diagnosable problem, especially because (laughs) this was without a dealer license, by the way, but it helps that there's no sales tax in Oregon. That sort of like shapes like how I uh, interact with automobiles. It's part of my personality and sort of uh, just part of uh, my life in ways that many people who are car people can relate to, but in a different way than the broader population. So when I landed inside of Tesla in 2018, I was actually on the FP&A team, and this was in the thick of Model 3 production ramp, and uh, the company was the most shorted stock in the world, and the CEO was sleeping in the factory, and we, every single person at every level would do whatever job is required. I can tell you that I've personally installed a whole lot of door seals uh, in the factory line uh, on uh, a 2018 Model 3 production run, as an example. but. 
where, where I really started hitting my stride and started that business was when I, I made my way into the remarketing division. And uh, that's just such an interesting, not so well understood component of running a direct-to-consumer automaker because it is fundamentally different. But it's the ultimate uh, place to accelerate your career if you're inherently interested in buying and selling cars. It was within that team where I got a front row seat into the broader wholesale ecosystem, but also how a, an automaker that's building a fundamentally different product is interacting with that ecosystem and what the future might look like if more cars start looking uh, like computers instead of traditional cars. And what I found was that within the wholesale context, the confidence level of what was being bought and sold was not where it could have been if information were further democratized. And that that's a function of how transparent is the automaker being and how ready are, is the infrastructure to receive that information. But then most importantly, how does that information make its way downstream to a retail customer conversation where it can actually inform someone uh, in terms of what they're buying, how to value it, uh, comparing one model to the next. Getting a front row seat into this in very high velocity and very high volume made me realize that there needs to be a fundamental change in how these transaction rails from wholesale all the way to the point of retail support this next generation of technological advancement within mobility as the, the EV mix continues to increase. When did the wheel start churning? Was residual value always like at the forethought of your mind when you worked there? Or was that something that came up because of a pain point? Just how did working at Tesla uh, make plug a reality for you? In so many ways. Uh, it... It absolutely transformed what I thought high quality work meant. It transformed what I thought velocity of uh, innovation and delivering meant. Uh, it, it's, it's a colossal scale global company of over 100,000 people. And it, sometimes it, it's hard to understand how significant of an impact one little change in your operation or your your bill of materials or uh, how you operate the factory line can downstream affect the whole business when that, that change is repeated 10, 50, 100,000, a million times. Uh, having never worked at a large company before, let alone a, a global one, my perspective was forever transformed in that way. And uh, in, in many respects, getting a front row seat into the wholesale operation within the used car business, which at the time was definitely the largest used EV operation in the world. It made me uh, just woefully dissatisfied with the idea of taking what exists and making incremental changes uh, for an EV future because EVs are not an incremental change. Uh, they're not an incremental product. Uh, they're not an incremental life adjustment. Uh, if I were to start from scratch and build an operation for EV wholesale, uh, as if I'd know nothing about how wholesale operates, I probably would build something that looks radically different from what exists. And that is the epitome of first principles thinking, which is a core tenant of Elon's leadership. Uh, so, so many people inside of that company did not come from automotive, and that could be seen as a disadvantage, and you know, maybe sometimes it is, but the, the strength of first principles thinking, whether you come from experience in the industry or not, is the willingness to take a step back and free yourself of being weighed down by 
what's already being done or what is acceptable by other people. And instead approaching it from a brand new angle of what would the most ideal scenario look like as if no constraints existed. And thus you have unparalleled technology advances in my opinion. So does Plug participate at all in educating potential buyers about the benefits and considerations of purchasing a used electrical vehicle? That's a wonderful question. So uh, we do not interact with any retail customers. What we seek to do is provide the, the most confident and well-informed retail-facing conversations by providing that information layer to the wholesale buyers, right? And that, that's, that's dealerships primarily. What we want and what our vision is that every vehicle acquired within our wholesale platform comes with the correct information uh, in order to inform a confident retail conversation. And the direction that I want to take it is that it's not as simple as relaying data points because there's a difference between having a spreadsheet of data in front of you and actually having the consumer ready merchandising view of that data, often a comparative matrix type of, of way, for example, uh, to inform that super confident conversation. Because where we are right now is that it, it can actually be quite hard to buy a used EV from a dealer from a salesperson who is drawing from firsthand experience. Uh, we are in such low market penetration right now because we're so early in the adoption curve. Everybody's still an earlier adopter today that uh, sometimes dealer might be faced with selling a car to a consumer who might be more familiar with the product than they are. And that, that can be okay, but it, it can also be another form of information asymmetry, which can uh, reduce the confidence level in that conversation, which is not a net positive for the industry. A net positive for the industry is democratizing access to that information and demystifying the vehicle and informing a confident conversation. There's nothing more important than, you know, for building confidence than a personal story. You know, it's one of the reasons I decided to buy the Tesla Model Y, even though I really wasn't in the market for a new car, but I feel like throwing, you know, jumping in both feet and having the experience puts me in a different type of a, puts me in a different level with discussing with people what that looks like. And even, even the fleet operator having people adopt or having drivers adopt an EV is a different, it's a different when they are talking to someone who has personal experience. And then also when we did charge across America and we did that 10 day drive across the country, I mean, that was just so kind of life changing for me before that. I thought, you know, I'd never do it. I'd never have an EV. And there were several members that were driving that said the same thing early on. By the end of the 10 days, though, that had changed. So I'm wondering, you know, from your perspective, what do you think is one of the or some of the most common misconceptions or concerns that buyers do have about electric vehicles? I mean, honestly, Michelle, a lot of them are not misconceptions. A lot, a lot of it is true. So you've you've driven across the country in an EV. What was it? What were you driving? Well, we were in the pace car, so we were in a Tesla, and that's one of the reasons I said no way I wouldn't drive anything else because I saw the hardships that everybody else was having. We had a couple Porsche Taycans. We had a VW ID4. We had great a cars. Yeah, we had some great cars. That the cars themselves were amazing, and the drivers really liked them. But going to find charging and then having the charging number one, be there, and number two, be operable was just, it wasn't ready. You know, the infrastructure wasn't ready for that. Well, you'll love 2025 because at that point, model after model after model will roll off the line with a NAX port and uh, a partnership to access 
Tesla's network, which I think is the best news in the industry. So my, my take on this is that charging anxiety uh, is, is a real concern. And when I think about how much value, what percentage of an EV's utility value is tied to its access to a reliable and ubiquitously available and fast destination charging network, I think it's at least 50%. I think half of your EV's value is a derivative of how reliably can you drive 100 miles away from your house and plug it in, charge up really fast, and keep going. And uh, a function of that will also be, can you very easily pay, or do you have to download a new app, or can you easily find it? Does the navigation take you there? Will the equipment actually work when you get there? And not just will it turn on and charge, but will it charge quickly at the advertised rate? Uh, outside of one single network, uh, the consumer perception today is that experience is not uh, trustworthy enough to spend a premium to buy an EV. EVs cost more money than used cars. This is this is a fact, as you know. Uh, when I most recently pulled the data with, with respect to like MSRP deltas, and this came from Cox, I think it was 13% higher. So would you spend 13% more on a vehicle compared to its ICE counterpart uh, if you did not have confidence that you could drive 100 miles away from your home, really easily find a charger that uh, will work and charge quickly uh, with an elegant payment experience? And if we're not there yet, then it's no wonder that you're in a high day's supply because people really care about that. And it's not an insignificant purchase for most people. So I think the misconception here is that's how EVs are. That, that, that's, and that is just simply untrue. What is true, the fair criticism of this experience is the sequencing was wrong. Uh, we shouldn't be sitting on such high day's supply of new EV at this point in time with respect to the production ramp before the growing pains around this charging infrastructure were solved. Now, hindsight is cheap. Uh, it, so I, it's not like this is an accountability or an exercise or an assignment of blame. Uh, but what people should not get caught up in my, in my opinion is pointing to this experience and saying, that's how it is. And therefore, it's not for me. Uh, what I would encourage is that we recognize and be honest about where it is, uh, but also recognize that now that we have this information, the industry is doing something about it. And the, the mass adoption of uh, the North America charging standard is one example of that. The rapid infrastructure build out that we will see in front of us over the next decade to solve for the network problem uh, will be game changing. And I have very great confidence that the experience layer around navigation payment and uptime transparency will be solved. Those are all great points. Jimmy, can you answer to, you know, that first wave of EV adopters and their excitement and how quickly they were to jump into the waters? And now we're experiencing this kind of second wave who seems a little bit more reluctant. Elena with EVs for everybody, she phrases it as hashtag EV curious. There seems to be a little bit of curiosity and not people who are ready to adopt jumping into an EV. One important data point to consider is we're selling more EVs than ever before, right? This was the first year when we crossed a million sales uh, in the country. It might not seem like that sometimes because there's a lot of inventory available right now and uh, in many cases over 100 days of supply, but the number of new EVs being sold uh, has continued to break records quarter after quarter. Uh, that said, uh, it's 
a different set of conversations now than what we've seen prior because we're making our way up the adoption curve and we've graduated from uh, the earliest adopters into normal early adopters. And they're asking a lot of educational questions around uh, total cost of ownership, uh, charging, battery health, uh, software and the broader ADAS phenomenon, uh, autonomous driving features, and ultimately what's required is that consultative uh, opportunity, whether it's with a salesperson or by digesting information from YouTube videos or websites, uh, the need to demystify uh, this information has never been more important, especially because there's quite a bit of sensationalist misinformation out there too. And I think that machine has really ramped up over the last few years. So now it's not just enough to bring people up to speed on what they're considering purchasing. Now we also have to dispel misinformation and mistruths as well at the same time. And as a consumer who is EV curious, as uh, Elena so expertly coined, uh, that can be difficult. It can be difficult to wade through what's real and what's not real. That's why my personal belief is that the best experience uh, will come from working with somebody who can draw from firsthand experience. Uh, and there, there's nothing more real about driving and owning an EV uh, than doing it yourself and living through how it can be in many ways a lifestyle adjustment and a, a transformation in how you view mobility because it is different and in some ways it's better in some ways it's not better that's so true i'm really curious and i wonder if there's data out there around um, ev buyers uh, when they buy their next vehicle what percentage are again buying an ev and what percentage are going back to ice i mean i have to imagine that most of the ev buyers their next vehicle is also an ev but i haven't seen any data that backs that up uh it's out there and your, your assumption is substantiated. Super interesting. Can I ask you what you drive right now? We have two Teslas right now. We have a Model 3 and a Model Y. Uh, however, I, I do have an appointment at the, the Porsche Experience Center with my wife uh, as a birthday present uh, in a few hours. So we'll be, we will be behind the wheel of a couple of 911s on the track unless the rain, uh, well, actually the rain makes it sound more fun. So I, I hope they don't shut down. I hope we still get to go today. Talking about the track that's in Atlanta? Uh, no, they also have one in Los Angeles. Just, oh. uh, just south of LAX, yeah, but uh, nice. similar similar type of experience center setup. From what I hear, I haven't been to the one in Atlanta. I also want to congratulate you while we were on this call you, that you won startup. Is it startup or tech innovator of the year through Auto Ventures, Automotive Ventures? Thank you for your support. That was a great experience. I, I want to recognize that we're we're a newer company. There's a lot of excitement around us right now. It's really awesome to bring home trophies, but it's really on us to deliver like real value to our customers. And the great thing about platforms like Navicon, which was uh, the event where this competition took place, is that it gets us in front of a, a higher number of marketplace participants because we, we don't spend money on marketing. We, we show up, uh, I, I personally show up to dealers all over the country. Uh, we are getting on the phone, we're on email. Uh, so the awareness building aspect of, of platforms like Navicon and like this podcast, honestly, are invaluable to a company like us that has been seed funded by venture capitalists, but we are not cash flow positive and we need to be really mindful about how we manage our spend. So um, shout out to Steve and thanks to you too.
do you want to give a quick what's your what's your future outlook with respect to outlook we're in a closed beta right now so a small number of dealers participating and some other entities within the market that we're working on some use cases for we are getting some reps under our belt with a new stack of partnerships that we've established. And it includes insurance, title reassignments, arbitration, financial services, everything that you would expect from a legitimate auction marketplace within automotive and one that provides the protections that enable confidence and thus liquidity. Uh, and the benefit of this beta period is that we're we're operating in, in, in small volume, but moving real metal and uh, in, in fact, charging real money uh, and uh, really dialing in a scalable process so that when we come out on the other side of the beta, we can be open for business uh, in high volume, which will be uh, early next year. Uh, once we do that, what we're hoping to do is become uh, a, a serious participant here on the supply side from a variety of sources. So we're talking to dealer groups, we're talking to OEMs, we're talking to fleet operators and rental car companies and uh, ironing out uh, each one of those use cases and especially the interesting challenge of solving for that information layer, getting access to, to data on these cars is our primary focus and uh, source of differentiation. But then on the other side of it, we hope to provide outstanding liquidity very fast. Our value add will be focused very intensely on velocity because it's my belief that one of the differentiators of running a healthy EV business is that the turn time on that inventory needs to be uh, uh, even faster than what you thought was fast uh, in an ICE business. And maybe we're taking a step back, but are you participating at all operationally um, through your tech in the transfer of the key or the transfer of ownership when that vehicle gets resold? Because I know that that's, uh, that's, a, that's something that the auctions uh, don't really have an answer to when the vehicle comes in. Yes. That process is, is easier on, on some makes than others. We ran a transaction last week where we did that for the first time. Cool. And uh, yeah, it felt great. It felt really great to, to call up the, the buyer of the car and ask them to confirm if it landed in their account. And they said, yeah, there it is. And the vehicle had not actually landed to their site yet, but it was in transit. But they had full visibility into it at that point in time and full access to it upon arrival. And that's the awesome. way it should work. I know the wholesale market will be thrilled that you know that's a process that you're taking part in. This stuff is important. It really matters. And it actually matters for us too, because uh, establishing a connection to the car enables us to uh, tap into any information that might be pertinent for the wholesale transaction. And I'll give you an example. Uh, the car that we sold last week, we actually delayed our launch on that car because when we connected to it remotely the day prior, we detected that it required a new 12 volt battery. And we, we didn't want any of our, uh, any of the dealers in our network of buyers to end up with a paperweight on the back of a truck when yeah. it showed up. So we asked the seller to, uh, to take care of it and, uh, they did. Uh, so that's just uh, another reason why this data connection aspect is really interesting. Yeah, it really is. It shows that you're going above and beyond to kind of make that transaction uh, fair and equitable. So awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining me. I totally appreciate you taking the time and getting to talk to you again. And I know we'll talk again in the future and look forward to what you and Plug are going to do. Uh, Michelle, I appreciate you for bringing me on. I appreciate the executive presence that you bring to every interaction. Uh, and I'm looking forward to doing this again soon and seeing you on the road.